think that's it. Okay, well, hi, my name is Miranda, and um, I'm the leader of Youth Praha, um, along with my husband, Mitchell, who was up here helping lead worship. And it's super exciting that we get to be here with you this morning. We have a lot of amazing youth that have come from different churches, and some of them are from this church to be here today to um, just share and lead us in worship. I'm really proud of them. And I also just wanted to say really quickly before we start this message this morning that if you guys are interested in hanging out with really awesome teenagers every Friday night, we're actually looking for more leaders to just kind of hang out with, with us to lead small groups and different things like that. So if that's something you're interested in doing, I would love to talk with you guys maybe after um, the service today. But anyways, I have the privilege today of inviting um, two of our youth. They're gonna be sharing a little bit. We were praying together as a team what the theme of this service would be. And it was really cool how God kind of spoke to all of us that were praying about praising God in the highs and the lows. And so we kind of chose some songs um, that really reflect that, learning to praise God and, and really walk with God. And so the two that are gonna be speaking today and I'll follow up, um, they have prepared just a little bit of walking with God, and then Mariel also has a, a short story that she's going to be sharing with us that kind of reflects trusting in God and um, even in, through the difficult things of life. So I'm going to invite Mark up, who is going to be sharing with us. Mark is 17, and I believe it's your first time doing something like this, Mark. So please give Mark a warm welcome, and um, I'm going to hand this microphone over to him while he um, shares about following Jesus. Back in the day, when I was uh, in Sunday school, I always thought that the sermon was the part where the boring old people go. <laughs> so that was when I was uh, in Sunday school. A couple years uh, have passed. I uh, have decided that I was going to learn a bit more so I've decided to try and uh, sit through a sermon. <laughs> Sounds as crazy as you think. I didn't understand a single thing. <laughs> but now I'm standing up here and I've been told to keep the jokes to the minimum. So I'll try to leave some out if it's all possible. I'll try to talk about it like we're talking to a crazy person. I'll take it nice and slowly. What does walking with Jesus even mean? When you talk uh, to an ordinary person, they uh, would probably have different views of uh, our ideas, what, it, what walking with Jesus even means. They could, uh, it could uh, be whatever, like going to the park for a picnic, going to the shopping mall, shopping, or go hiking. But... That's not why any of you have came here. It, uh, most of you have came here to talk about the Bible and what it means to uh, walk with Jesus now 2,000 years later spiritually. So I found uh, the, uh, a passage in the Bible. It's from Mark chapter 1. Of course, I have to do Mark because it's just my part of the Bible, if you know what I mean. Uh, it's Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 20. It's about Jesus meeting his disciples for the very first time. 
if you don't mind, I'll read it. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come and follow me, said Jesus, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee and their boat with the hired men and followed him. So that's uh, the first time Jesus met those people, and it only took a little while for them for them to be convinced that he is the Messiah, and he is the Son of God. And I'll ask someone, if, uh, if you're out on the street, walking somewhere, and someone came up to you and said to follow them for the rest of your life, would anyone say yes? Because it's the completely same thing to what Jesus did. I don't think nowadays it's something what people do. Yeah. In the past, at Youth Praha, we've been talking about a, a verse from Matthew. It's Matthew 16, verse 24. It says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up the cross and follow me. Anyone who wants to follow them must uh, sort of ignore themselves and uh, take all their selfish desires with them and take them to Jesus, and he will wipe your sins clean. Then uh, I found another verse in the Bible. It's not exactly a verse, but it's like a story. I'm pretty sure everyone's heard of it. John chapter 21, it's about uh, Jesus' disciples, how they were out at sea, and they're fishing the whole night. They couldn't catch a single fish. But then they saw someone on the seabed. They didn't know who it was, but it was Jesus. And uh, he shouted to them to uh, put their net on the other side of the boat. And uh, so many fish swam into the net that uh, it could barely hold it. I was wondering, it's, it was 153 large fish. That's a lot of fish. If you went to the fish store and you asked for 153 large fish, I'm pretty sure uh, they'll call you crazy. From verse 7, Then the disciples, from whom Jesus uh, loved, uh, said to Peter, This is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It's the Lord, he wrapped his uh, outer garment around him and jumped into the water and swam to Jesus. The other disciples followed him in the boat, towing the net full of fish, from, uh, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire burning, burning coals there, with a fish on it and some bread. Simon, Peter, 
loved God so much that he jumped out of the boat and followed him. That's uh, something one not many people would do nowadays. But who knows, someone maybe would. Maybe someone from here, I don't know. So I don't want to make this too long. I'll just finish. Uh, and uh, anyone who follows Jesus will not be forsaken and will live an eternal life in heaven. At the end, I'll make a quick joke about the... Soon, there will be no need for leaders. The youth will uh, take care of it all. At the youth will be teaching the leaders. So, and I found a, a verse in the Bible. It's from Isaiah 3.4. It says, I will make more youths the officials. Children will rule over them. Oh, that's it for me. I'll... Uh, Thank you, Mark. Thanks for sharing. Just I love that. Um, just the picture of choosing to follow Jesus, of stepping out of the boat and choosing to follow Jesus. And I think that's really the first step. Um, and then there's the whole lifetime of journeying with Jesus. And sometimes that's also the difficult thing of through the highs and the lows and the disappointments and the different things that we go through, choosing to actually see him and seek him. And so I'm going to invite Mariel, who's going to share a short story that she wrote. She kind of paraphrased it down, and she's going to explain a little bit of, about what she wrote. Um, she has some imagery for different things that you might go through in life and how um, God is with you. So Mariel 16, so please welcome Mariel. She's going to share Um, a little nervous, so bear with me. Um, so I'd like to talk about today. So we're talking about the ups and downs of following God. And I'd like to, I wrote a short story and it kind of reflects on my personal experience with following him and, um, how it's basically about this character, this girl who, um, she goes through most of her life and it's been full of meadows and wildflowers and butterflies. She looks back at this. And in front of her is this huge like stone wall with this dark cave in front of it. And she's a little nervous at first, but she's like, it's okay, it's the final step. I made it through. I just need to get through this. You know, she's like, it's fine. I can do it. And because, you know, no one wants to go through a huge, big, stark, scary cave. And you hear about the bad things that are going to happen in life. You hear it from other people's stories. You hear what they warn them about. But when you think about it, you're like, it's fine. I'll get through it. You know, it's short. So finally, um, she repeats this in her head, and she goes through. And at first, it's completely covered in darkness, and she can't see a thing. But then there's suddenly these gems and these diamonds and like ugh, highlighting the walls. And she's like, wow, there's actually some beauty to this darkness. And she continues on, and then she sees the light up ahead. And she's like, I'm almost through. It's fine. You know, and she tries to get through. But then on the ceiling, she sees these four huge cages um, dangling by chains. 
and one of them uh, snaps and breaks and crashes onto the ground. Um, yeah, an enormous dragon was standing before me, its eyes like two endless black pools, threatening to swallow me up if I got too close. So she clutches her sword like, oh boy, I guess I have to fight this thing. And the dragon narrowed its eye, lost eyes at hers, something darker lingering inside, something evil. The huge beast let out a screaming roar before lifting its giant sharp claws and swinging at me. Its hand smashed into my head and threw me across the room. And um, so she's disoriented. She has to gather herself back up because she was not prepared for it. And the whole time, it's just watching her and waiting. It's not doing anything else. It's like it enjoys, you know, watching her fall down. And so she picks up her sword and runs towards the beast. And like, um, and suddenly it opens its mouth and lets out this black cloud of smoke fill the room and up until everything has gone completely pitch black again. And she's um, choking as she uh, desperately tries to breathe through this like smoke clogging her throat and it's stinging her eyes to the point of tears and as she's like completely confused and like can't see anything um, the dragon's tail sweeps under her and makes her collapse over because she wasn't prepared for this and the next time it does it again but this time she's ready because she knows what to expect and then finally the smoke starts to go back down and she's like oh finally I'm back through I can breathe again but oh ho ho, there's another dragon now. There's two. And she's like, okay. Um, and it's a huge purple tinted dragon stood a few meters from me, breathing heavily with pure white eyes. As, look, as I looked into them, I felt myself beginning to panic, my mind spinning and my heart practically screaming inside my chest. I was freezing up, drowning in its white gaze. I saw how terrified it looked, yet crazed all the same. The dragon began screaming, his voice echoed through the cavern and bounced off the walls, making a constant ringing sound. And it started flying frantically around this cave, crashing into the walls and the other dragons. And then it made one of the other cages fall down and collapse. And from this cage stood a huge white dragon um, with gray eyes. And said, so it stared down at me with a sharp glare, but behind those cold swirls were sadness and despair. I ran deep in my bones and weighed down on my chest. My body began to tremble, and the stinging in my eyes turned. But this was different. The pain from within the dragon nearly drowned me completely. I felt as though I might crumble to my knees and break apart, accepting the pain that finally swallowed me whole, cradling me and comforting me in a hug that I so desperately wanted to escape. And so she has to, once again, gather herself and pick herself back up. And she clutches onto the sword, and she um, is prepared to fight it, and the um, white dragon suddenly starts shooting ice at her, right, freezing ice. And as she's trying to dodge this um, ice dragon and get away, the black dragon suddenly um, attacks her and throws her across the room again. And it breaks her helmet, and she's like, oh my goodness, how am I supposed to fight all these three dragons? My armor's breaking apart. I can barely hold myself up. And then if that's, as if that weren't bad enough, the last cage crashes to the ground. So smoke and ashes lift into the air, and through the smoke, I could see the subtle glow of orange and red. Suddenly, a black silhouette flashed through the sparks. The dragon lifted its wings with a screeching roar before slowly emerging from the burning smoke. An enormous red dragon emerged into the now orange-tinted cave. 
Its yellow eyes glared down at me with fury, seeming to burn right through my very soul. My body began to shake, and my heart began to pound against my already throbbing chest, not from fear, but from rage. My mind was a storm of thoughts and emotions, voices whispering in my ears, discouraging me, insulting me. And she just felt so much anger and rage because all of this horrible stuff was happening and she didn't know what to do about it. And there were so many uh, emotions weighing down on her, threatened her, depression, anxiety, sadness, anger, everything um, so, like, threatened to break her body and her mind completely. And she, she hated it and she wanted to escape it. So finally, um, she was like, I just have to do this because I want this to end. And so she takes her sword and she charges at the dragons and they charge back. Black smoke filling the room, ice covering the cave, voices whispering inside her head and fire blazing from the darkness and burning her metal armor. And so she picked up her sword and just swung. And then we do a little time skip and it says, I slowly staggered out through the end of the tunnel. My armor was falling apart, my clothes sizzling as a few patches were burnt away. The tips of my fingers were cold and frostbitten, and I could still hear the soft echo of voices fading from my mind. I panted breathlessly and limped towards the light, placing a hand on the wall to try and support myself. Soft yet painful tears trickled down my smoke-stained face. My whole body hurt. As I stumbled through the cave opening, I slowly lifted my dull, empty eyes to see an unimaginable beauty. I gasped and had to hold back a sob as my heart lifted and my legs broke beneath me. I crumbled to the soft, grassy uh, floor. I made it. I made it. The sword rested beside my feet with, a dent, uh, with not a dent in sight. Not even a scratch pierced through its glowing silver metal. Its soft carvings glistened in the blinding light before slowly fading. I felt my body shake and my face burn from the tears. A wave of relief flooded through me and a sense of safety comforted my damaged body. She says, I'm okay, I'm okay, I made it. After all of these years, I finally made it. And so that's the end of it. And basically what the story is about is having to face these things that come up to you in your life. Because whilst falling God is amazing and great and it can come with so many opportunities, there's always going to be those little things that try and tempt you and pull you away from him. They want the opposite of what God wants for you. They don't want you to have a good life, a good ending. They don't want anything remotely good for you. It may seem very tempting and helpful for you in the moment, but then in the long run, we, um, it causes nothing but pain. Because of this, we suffer from depression, we suffer from anxiety and sadness and anger and fear, and we lash out and we try to seclude ourselves from the world and people who care for us. And it's hard and it's awful, but the whole way throughout the story, um, God was the sword. He'll help you fight these things and get through it as long as you know he's there for you and that you can allow him to help you. If she just went at the dragons with just her hands alone in a full fist fight, I think we would both agree she would not have won uh, at the end when she finally made it through it all, um, keeping her faith and keeping that sword by her side. She made it to what God promises us, an amazing life, an amazing plan, and then, of course, eternity at the end. And that is all I have to say. Thank you. Thank you, Mariel, for sharing with us your, um, your story.
And I, I really think it's, it was such an, a unique story. I got to read the entire story um, before she shared. And it, it was just really neat imagery of like seeing those different elements that we often face. Sometimes it's fear, anxiety, um, control, pride, different things that the world throws at us. And so today I'm going to just speak a little bit about the highs and the lows of life and walking with Jesus. So in the, in the dictionary... The definition of praise is to express one's respect and gratitude towards a deity, especially in song. And I kind of want to expand on that definition with this. Praise means thanking God for what he has done, what he is doing, and what he is going to do. In life, we go through joys, through hope, through success, through the winds, and sometimes in life we go through disappointments, failures, and um, hardships. How we approach these different seasons in life is so important. The psalmist David wrote, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. What does it mean to bless the Lord? Is it a command? Is it an encouragement? Or maybe both? I think sometimes we actually need to remind our souls, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions, to realign with the word of God, the person of Jesus, and the spirit of God that does the work in us. Looking at these three parts of what really makes us, us, the mind, our mind, our, our will, and our emotions, I want to look at some of the scripture, what the scripture says for us to do in order to realign with God's word so that we can actually be in a place where we can say, bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Because sometimes we're going through difficulties in our life and it's it's often hard for us to really come to that point where we say, God, I'm going to choose to praise you. I'm going to choose to thank you no matter what I'm facing. So let's take a little look at our minds. Now, I'm always amazed when we look at science and see how our bodies were designed. I think it's one of the most amazing and miraculous Things like just seeing how my fingers can literally just move right now, even though I didn't think about moving them. It's just, it blows my brain. Um, and our mind has what's called neural pathways. It's connections that form between the neurons in your brain. You can think of them as patterns that represent any thought about anything that you've ever heard, as simple as an apple or as complex as love and integrity, there's these pathways that our brain forms. So God created our minds to be able to do this, to make highways and roads, and the more that you think on certain things, the easier it is to travel on that highway. For instance, when you were a little baby and you were learning to walk, I'm pretty sure you didn't just stand straight up and just walk on. <laughs> there was toddling. There was falling over. There was your parents going, <gasps> watch out, don't hit your head. But as your, those neural pathways formed to connect with your muscles, 
you began to learn to walk, and today, as adults, we all can walk without thinking how we're going to walk. It's just a pattern that we've created. So God really did create our minds to be able to do this, to um, have these highways and these roads and these pathways um, in our brains. And something here, Romans 12, 2, I think is really important for us to look at. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So there's a certain pattern that the world has. And then there's a certain pattern that God has for us. And we have to be able to decipher and come to a place where we actually align with the patterns of God versus the patterns of the world. And so I wanted to look at the world's response to when things aren't going well or when you find yourself in a valley, in a low place. Those patterns are often fear, control, anxiety, pride. I think we've all struggled with those in some capacity or another. And in Mariel's story, like those dragons just coming at her, that that girl with fear and depression and different things. So these are the patterns of the world. And we need to renew our minds by thinking the thoughts that God has told us in the Bible. So we're looking at the patterns of the world versus renewing our mind. So the first one is fear, that pattern of fear. And we need um, to just take a look and see what does the Bible say. And I've heard this before that there's 365 times in the Bible that says do not fear. One for every day of the year, which is so incredible to me. And I think it's so often easy for us to succumb to fear because there's so many things going on. There's wars, rumors of wars. There's um, not knowing how to pay your bills this month. There's so many different things going on in our lives, big or small. For me, this last week was a big struggle um, with fear for my sister. She was giving birth to her first baby, and um, I was on the phone with my mom and different people, and she was in labor for like four days, and things just weren't going along, and it's so hard being here, and I really just wrestled with fearing, like, what's happening right now? Um, She was at home, so she didn't have, like, doctors or anything like that to be with her, and so I really, really struggled with that. But um, I think it's just important for us to kind of just go back to that God is with us. God is, was with my sister. Okay, Lord, you have this in your hands. And really just renewing our minds with that do not fear, do not fear. The next one is control. Not trusting God, but trusting in ourselves. In Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. I think this is so important um, for us. You know, oftentimes we like to have everything in our little boxes figured out. We know exactly what's going on. 
with our lives. We like to have control over um, just everything that's going on. And sometimes things are out of our control. And we actually have to choose to trust God, trust Jesus, that the renewing of our mind is to choose to trust him, no matter what, what, is, what we're facing. The next one here is anxiety. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for us. Let him carry your burdens. I think um, I've seen some statistics of how our anxiety has just kind of grown in society. I think a lot of it has to do with social media or just different things, um, comparison. But there is literally nothing that we're going through that we cannot bring to the feet of Jesus. Pride. The Bible talks a lot about pride, and it's something that I struggle with personally sometimes too. Sometimes it's hidden, but the Bible says, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in James 4.10. In the highs, it's easy for us to start working out of our own strength. When things are going really good, when things are looking really good, we might begin to forget that God is the one that holds the universe together. He's the one that put the stars in the heaven. He's the one that formed you in your mother's womb. He's the one that made you be able to walk or move your fingers. And sometimes we just need to Declare who he is. And I, I'm remembering the verse too, just even now, of um, he must increase and I must decrease. I think that's a huge part in dealing with pride and walking in God's pattern versus the pattern of the world. Renew your mind with the word of God and allow the spirit of God to work, in, work it into your being. And actually realign your neural pathways with God's word, not with the patterns of the world. I love this. In Philippians 4, it says, uh, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So it's really important for us to take our thoughts captive, to be on guard with what is going on in our minds. Are we aligning it with the word of God or are we letting the patterns of the world transform our thoughts? Our will. At the end of that verse in Romans 12:2, it tells us why we should renew our minds. It's so that we'll be able to test and approve what is the will of God. So that we know what's on his heart. We know what his plan is. So that we're not swayed by the things of this world, but that we're actually in line with him. Our will is something that can be super powerful. It's what drives us to do things. So I kind of had um, a memory of something that happened in my will when I was a teenager. 
I was dating this guy at the time who was hoping to go into the military, and so he would go running a lot. And sometimes I would join him running, and I was really out of shape at the time. And we had just gone on this run through this pathway in Arizona, and honestly, it wasn't that long. But towards the end of this run, we were just kind of jogging, and he was like, Miranda, sprint to the end, and it was like way off in the distance. And I was thinking, yeah, right, we just went on this long run. I am not sprinting to the end of this line right now. And he's like, come on, you like, just sprint. And sometimes things trigger me, like if I really want to do something, I'll be like, okay, I'm going to go all the way then. So I decided I'm going to make it to the end of this trail. So I start sprinting as fast as I could, and I knew he was somewhere behind me. I couldn't tell where, but I just was running, and I pushed myself so hard. I, again, I was out of shape. So anyways, I pushed myself so hard that when I got to the end of the trail, I just passed out because I had pushed myself so far, and my capacity wasn't able to contain what I was trying to challenge myself to do. So I just passed out. So sometimes our will is the thing that pushes us and propels us forward to do things that are really difficult. Sometimes we have to be careful because sometimes it'll push us too far. <laughs> and sometimes our will is really weak. And we need to ask God to strengthen our will to endure something that is difficult. Jesus, I was reminded of Jesus when he was sitting, talking with his father before he was about to endure something that was so difficult. We can't even imagine what Jesus endured. He not only was going to physically be mocked, beaten, have nails through his hands and his feet, be on display for people to see. He was also going to, in the spirit realm, take on the sins of the world. And what he did was, he said, as he's speaking to his father, he says, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Jesus was aligning his will with his father's will. He, he renewed his mind to the point where he could test and approve what his father's will was. So he was able to carry out what his father's will was. He said, I'm going to bend my heart, even, this is, even though this is so difficult and painful, I will submit to the father's will. Sometimes we need to ask God for help so that he can change our selfishness and our selfish will to his perfect will. And again, this starts with the renewing of our mind with the word of God and allowing the spirit of God to do the work in us so that we can really test and approve what is God's will. Sometimes it's knowing the will of God for your life personally. And then other times it's also understanding the scripture and like the overarching will of God uh, with his people, with his church, with his bride. So I think, you know, as Jesus was sitting there in the garden, he was dealing with 
more than just his thoughts. He was dealing with emotions as well. Uh, so obviously, God created emotions. He himself has been described to have joy, to have anger. But I think sometimes it's hard for us to know how our emotions fit in um, with the way that we relate to ourselves, our circumstances, and God. I think sometimes it's hard for us to like connect those dots. So what I can um, see in the scripture regarding Jesus is that he dealt with those human emotions. He had anger when they were selling things in the temple. <laughs> he had joy. It actually says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. The world often tells us that we should let our emotions run wild. Whatever feels right to you is the right thing to do. But this is not biblical. Um, on the other hand, I've seen a lot of damage from, come from not being able to process through your emotions and actually bring them to Jesus, bring them to the Father, and let him help us align our emotions, even with, again, the Father, the, the Scripture. We need to bring our good emotions and our bad emotions to the Father. And I love this verse in Isaiah 9-6. It's often used as a Christmas um, verse, but... It says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. It promises that he will be our counselor. And oftentimes, counselors help us process through things, process our emotions, process experiences and different things that we've gone through. And sometimes we need human counselors um, to help us do this. And I think that principle comes from literally God himself, that he is our counselor. And he helps us align what we've gone through or the difficulties that we've faced or the emotions that we're struggling with whether it is that rage or that anger like this girl was struggling with in the story, to actually align these things and submit them to God. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. This verse doesn't say, bless the Lord when I'm on the mountaintop. This verse doesn't say, bless the Lord only when I'm in the valley. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. God wants us to practice having a heart of praise and thanksgiving. No matter whether we're on the mountaintop or we're in the valley whether we're in a dark cave, wrestling with these different dragons, if you will, wrestling with our thoughts, wrestling with um, what's going on in the world. God wants us to align our hearts with his, to understand the Father's will. 
my encouragement to you today is to allow the Spirit of God to help align your mind, your will, and your emotions with Him, even when it's hard to, to choose to say, bless the Lord, O oh my soul. So I just want to give us like a minute to just kind of reflect and think um, where you're at with that. Are you able to say, bless the Lord, O oh my soul? I'm going to give a minute and then um, just, just think and just allow God to speak to you right now. If there's any of these things that you need to align your mind, your will, your emotions, just to invite God to reveal to you what it is. So I'm just going to give a minute of silence and then I'll pray for us. Jesus, we thank you for your word, that it has the power to transform us, and that we don't have to be conformed to the patterns of this world. We can actually allow your spirit to transform us through the power of your word. And Father, I pray that you would give us the ability to submit to your will No matter what we're facing, what difficulties, what triumphs, that we would just be able to submit our will to your will, God. And I pray, Father, that we would be able to align our emotions um, with you, God, to submit those, to lay them down at your feet. And Father, we just thank you so much for who you are, and that you've revealed to us through your word who you are, and that we can count on you, that you're the one that walks with us through life in the highs and the lows. And we just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.